welcome to the podcast. I'm Richard McLean. I'm Kale Ballard. And this is Please Leave a Message. So we've got our uh, URL back. It's up and running. So you no longer have to type that weird, long email address in. Uh, I finally got everything transferred over from Jess. So you can just go to pleaseleavemessage.com, and it will take you right to the website again. Speaking of leaving a message, just please, please leave a message. Leave us that message. Nobody's called in. Uh, <laughs> I've been asking for people to give us gaming stories. I've been asking for people to... Tell us the strangest story that's happened to you. But at this point, I don't care. Just call in. Call the number. Tell us about your cat. It's real easy to remember. It's 801-SKETCH-1. That's 801-753-8241. And just call us. And leave a silly message. Leave a funny message. Leave a serious message. I don't care. Just please... Please, please leave a message. We'd love it if you left a prank call. I mean, those are always fun. It's the name of the podcast. <laughs> Jess somehow had some magic where he could get people to call in. Huh. Ever since he left, uh, nobody calls anymore. So I'm hoping that somebody out there has something that they want to share with us and will just call in and just leave us a message. If you want to be on the show, leave a message. Fame at last. Yeah. Gaming stories, strangest thing that happened to you, those are great. But really, at this point, I don't care. Just leave us a message. If you... If you want to. Which you do. Well, I hope so. Yeah. All right. How do you say your name again? Uh, Kale. Oh, you just go by Kale. I go by Kale. My full name's Mick Kale, but, you know... I don't want to look Russian right now. So. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not even Russian. I just have that name. Go figure. All right. Um. So, what have you been up to? So, week? lately, I mean, I just got a new job at a place in Orem known as Serenity Seven, and I'm, I'm going to put a little plug in for them if that's all right. Okay. So, sorry, I didn't. I didn't come here to advertise, but I just really like this place. It's a tea shop and health spa. This is middle of Utah, and I'm from out from the Midwest, and I absolutely adore tea shops. I mean, they have a full range of your green, your black, your white, oolong teas. Or, for people who don't drink tea, they also have tea sains, which are herbal teas, and they have a huge blend of those as well, and that's what I'm really all about. And then, also, if you want to do the health things, like, they have a ionic foot bath, they have yoga classes an infrared sauna, stuff like that. Everything is locally sourced. Everything is ethically sourced. It's it's a really cool place, and they've just started here in Orem, I think, a couple months ago. And I walked in and basically said, oh my gosh, will you hire me? And they did. <laughs> so I, I don't know how well I can trust their judgment, but beyond that, it's a really cool place. Nice. So, so years ago, my brother gave everybody in the family, I think it was for Christmas, we got... French press and a bunch of little tea, herbal tea things oh. in like little tins. And I've run out. I've used it all at this point and I haven't, I've never refilled my tins, Oh, but I kind of miss them. Yeah. I have a total bias towards teas in a tin. Like you could put the cheapest like Lipton stuff in there and give it to me and I'd probably think, wow, this is such high quality. <laughs> so I, I still have to refine my palate a little bit, but... <laughs> There were a couple that I really liked. I went through those really fast. Mm -hmm. And I, there might be one kicking around somewhere still that I didn't like that one. But I, I enjoyed doing the whole French press thing. And oh, yeah. So, yeah. Anywho, you do a webcomic. I do. Tell us about that. Well, I actually do two webcomics. Oh, okay. Just, you know, for fun. But uh, I'll talk about the one that's more... Uh, what's, what's the right word? Like, more accessible. Okay. So, this one is called Recondite Woods. That's, uh, R-E-C-O-N-D-I-T-E, woods. Like, the woods in your backyard. And it's a four-panel, usually, strip-style comic, which updates 
three times a week when I'm able to update it three times a week. It's fully in color, and the story, the rough story behind it, is that most of the world, or at least a good portion of the world, has been covered by this forest, which is full of all sorts of weird creatures and different plants that do different things. But what it focuses on is just this little kind of podunk town named Rivernap, which sits right against the woods, and we look at these two guys who live in a cabin right by it, and they and how they interact with it, and it's just a lot of fun. It's a, it's a pretty lighthearted thing. Every now and then I bring in, like, kind of psychological motives, just, like, different parts of the psyche manifest themselves as the creatures that come out of the woods, or as sometimes as the people themselves. But beyond that, it's mostly just fun. Cool. Yeah, my webcomic is still broken. Uh-oh. So... Your comic sounds like a good base for a role-playing game. You know, it probably would be. I mean, none of the main characters... Well, actually, I just added one. Hold on. It'd be, it'd be a really good setting, I like, think. Like, that's what I'm saying. A setting. Yeah. I don't know about the content or the, the character reactions or whatnot. Oh, yeah. Well, just... I mean, one of the guys, he spends all of his time in it, and the other guy totally avoids the forest, like the plague, because okay. it's full of weird things. But, yeah, it's... um. Uh, a real particular thing about it is most of the creatures are, like, sentient. They have human-esque intelligence, or sometimes more than human, so it's not like you can just run in and kill a goblin and, haha, it's just a stupid goblin. It's like, oh, that had a face. No, that's cool. I like it. I like it. So we met at the Comic Jam. Yes, we did. Right? Okay. I oh, no, think no. we met earlier at it was Salt Lake Comic Con. No, no, no. I you figured know. it out the other day. Okay. Because when I found your card, I realized where I got it from. It was that library thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, that library thing. It's a fun story about that. That's why I don't remember meeting you. I was running on one hour of sleep in the last, like, 30 when I was there. So I was just in this terrible haze of, like, trying to comprehend. Who was the speaker at it again? It was someone really cool. A guy who wrote American Born Chinese. Right. And I don't know how to pronounce his name. Okay. I don't even try. Okay, but... He spoke, and I felt so bad because I was nodding off in the middle of this lecture, and I was really interested, oh, but I just was, couldn't stay awake. It was really good. I have no idea what he talked about to this day. Were you there the night before for the keynote, or the next day? No, I, I was working the night before, so I was there okay. when the I was selling at the, the right. mini-con they had at right. the library. Yeah, I was too. I was right by the door. That's right. I was there the night before for the, the keynote. And the keynote was completely different from what he did the next day. Mm-hmm. But that was the night that Jess suggested we do a podcast. Okay. Was he there? He was there. Okay. He he didn't do a table or anything. Oh, okay. Um, I, I didn't know him at that point, so I guess but, I wouldn't yeah, have noticed. Even was, if I did, I, like I said, I was So yeah, surprised. I saw him there. I was just talking to him afterwards. And after the keynote, Jess was there. I kind of hung around. I hadn't seen him for a while. I was just talking to him. He's like, Richard... It's funny. I go into this voice when I'm talking as Jess. Mm-hmm. I, I don't oh, need to do it. That's a good Jess voice. It's, it works. It just happens. <laughs> so he says, I've had this idea in my head. It keeps coming back to me. It won't go away. I feel like I need to do a podcast and I feel like you need to be involved. Sick. So I said, okay. And I didn't think much about it. And then I had this idea for an interview portion mm-hmm. and I sent him this email I didn't hear back from him for like two days. And he finally emailed me back. I got your I got your uh, email. It kept me up all night. My brain was just firing <laughs> off. I had all these ideas. I want to do a, a podcast with this and this and this and this. And so then we just did it. And he did two episodes. And <laughs> then it's just been me. <laughs> that's all right. So that's why I have people come in. I did one episode on my own. Mm-hmm. And it, it happened to fall so that it was... I was the host of the episode, and it was Jess's interview of me. Oh. And it was just so too much me. Interviewed yourself. No, no. Jess interviewed me. Oh, okay. We, He's we still were, there. We were, no, we had recorded it previously. Oh, gotcha. And so I did the, the whole hosting thing on my own, which I'd never done. And then the interview section that I played on the, the show was me being interviewed. Oh, and it was just uh, episode three. The Richard show by oh, Richard. A little too much With Richard. Richard. So that's when I decided I need to bring in co-hosts. Okay. And so here we are on episode here 15. Let's play some found audio. 
Found audio. This is something you asked me for, and I just... I'm boring. I didn't have any. Well, no. I Most people don't. But I ask everybody just in case they have something cool laying around. Okay, cool. Like an old cassette tape or uh, a reel-to-reel even. I've got the equipment. If you got it and you want to hear it... Let's do it. I can make it happen. This is... I'll play it first, then we'll just... Uh, then we'll talk about it. My ears are ready. This isn't the Jolson. We're three blocks. Oh crap, never mind. I'll walk. Idiot. Doesn't even know his own stupid business. Look it. Yeah, ready to live us, Tony. The skinny one's Tigo. The big one's Ridge. They beat people up, take their money, kill them sometimes. The cab driver gets a third. I'm gonna miss the curtain. If he doesn't know the city, I don't see how he can get a license. One woman, they beat her head so hard against the sidewalk, they cracked the concrete. Another got away by running three blocks on a broken foot. Sometimes that's the only way people get saved. Suicidal bravery. Sometimes it's luck that saves them. Sometimes it's fate. Hey, Fridge, here's another one. You ever seen anybody with so much change in their voice, huh, Fridge? You ever seen... What? What? Who, who are you? Hey, no, no! Yeah, usually it's fate. But sometimes it's me. And sometimes it's us. Okay, everybody, freeze! Damn, I was talking out loud again. <laughs> that that just kept going. It kept going, and I wasn't sure where it was going to go, but it was good. So, I can tell you <laughs> haven't read the comic. I, I have not. What's that from? The Max. I have not. Okay. Uh, so, I was reading The Max, and... They kept advertising in some of the earlier issues this thing called Maximum Sound, and they'd recorded like an audio play of the comic. So I tracked down a copy. Yeah. And that was it. That was classic. It's interesting. It's me. (laughs) It's interesting because they also did a cartoon that was on MTV. Okay. Oh, Uh, oh boy. And so it was, it's the same dialogue because they just, it was literally right from the comic. Straight. They didn't change anything. Mm-hmm. So, 
it's kind of amusing to because I've watched the cartoon several times. That was probably only only the second time I've listened to that. So uh, <laughs> is there is there a place for our wonderful listeners where they could find this cartoon? Uh, the cartoon I think you can buy on Amazon now. Okay. It's one of those where they burn on demand DVDs. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. I get so you. it's not like they printed a bunch of them up and they've got them in a store somewhere. You just you buy it, they print it up and send it to you. Obscure cartoons are awesome. Yeah, I like the Max. It's it's not for everybody. It's it's weird and depressing and strange and doesn't make sense. And, okay. But I always really, 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 really liked the artwork in the comic, and the story is just a little off, and I tend to like stuff that's just a little off. Okay. So, anyway, that's our <laughs> excerpt from Maximum Sound. The comic writer and artist was directly involved with that, so... Nice. I always thought it was pretty cool. Do you read a lot of comics? I wish I could read more. I I mean, I have plenty of web comics I like to follow. I, I'm a fan of Alan Moore's stuff, as well as some more... I guess if I were to put, like... A kind of comic that I read. I like the graphic novel that's not superhero-based. Okay. Except Scott Pilgrim. He's a superhero. <laughs> I have not read Scott Pilgrim. Oh, my. Brian Lee O'Malley is an, a master. Definitely worth reading all this stuff. Yeah, it's it's on my to-do list. Okay. I enjoyed the movie. Movie was good, and I'm glad you saw it before you read the books. They're, they're pretty different in story writing. That's what I've heard. I'll, I'll tell you that much. And I read the books first, so I couldn't get into the movie as much as I want. Okay, yeah, I've heard Mostly that just because I couldn't stand, uh, what, what's his name, Michael Sarah. Yeah. Michael Sarah playing Scott. Uh, he's a good enough actor, he just wasn't the Scott that I had in mind. Okay. Alright, yeah, it's still on my to-do list, I'll get around to it. Yeah, yeah he has full-colored copies out now, so. Oh, really? Yeah. I haven't seen those. Yeah, they're hardbound, they're probably more expensive, but they're, they're, uh, they look good. I, I don't know, I missed, black and white. I missed out on... There was a point where those Humble Bundles were coming out, mm-hmm. and I was buying every single one of those. That's what they're there for. And so now I have a Steam list of games that's as long as... forever long. And I've only played like five of them. I know that feeling. <laughs> but they had one came out. It was Scott Pilgrim. It was... Oh, the game? No, or the books? It was the books. Oh! In PDF format. And it was almost all of the volumes. And that was right when I was like, yeah, I can't be spending money on this stuff anymore. No, you should have waited I just a little longer. Sh- I should have gotten that one. That That's no, the only one that I kicked myself for not getting. Yeah. I got one of those comic bundles and, I mean, they were it good, was, but it was all just the first volume of stuff yeah, and I, I didn't want to invest. I did one of those and I'm like, eh, this is kind of dumb. Yeah. But I should have done the one that had Scott Pilgrim in it. I, that's literally the only one I kicked myself for not uh-huh. having done. So, yeah, I read, I read a lot of Superman back in the day. Okay. But I, I would probably read more if I went to the, well, this is funny to say, if I went to the library more, because. (laughs) Well, that's where reading usually happens. I work at a library. Oh. (laughs) There's a comic section. I should just go down a floor and pick them up. Uh-huh. But then I would eventually run out of those, so I'd have to go to the public library. Yeah, that's still pretty good. I just don't have the selection. I don't have the funds right now to to be buying stuff. Yeah, I, I do have a few that I pick up online. I read Sithra. No, I haven't heard of them. It's by uh, Jason. Jason. By Jason Brubaker. Oh, I like the art style. So the art style is. Uh, for those of you listening and not watching, which is everyone except us two, the art style is good. It's it's really good. So, yeah, this guy, a friend of mine, turned me on to him with huh. his previous series, which was called Remind. Okay. And now he's doing this one. So that's oh, book like one, that. this book two. That's a piece of original art from Dang. book two. And you said this one's online? Yeah. Uh, I will definitely check them out. Oh, he's, sorry. I can't remember, because uh, I, I usually just read them in the book. I don't, he, he posts them online. There's a site where he posts them. Mm-hmm. I don't keep up with it. I just have been keeping up by buying the books on when he does his Kickstarters. That's kind of the web cartoonist bane, I've noticed. Like, you can produce great content, but some people just want to binge it. Well, it's it's not so much that. It's that uh, he's changed where he has it a few times. Oh. And I've had difficulty keeping up with it. But when I 
I'm on his mailing list. Okay. And so when I see that he's got something coming out, I uh, I go pick it up. But his his Kickstarter for Volume Three just completed, and I didn't have the money to. Everyone go read it. Oh wait, it just completed. I was gonna say everyone go kickstarted, but Volume Three just completed. But Kickstarter keeps artists alive. I will. I will pick it up when I can because it's an amazing story and his artwork just is mine. Yeah, mind. I'm really, I really like that. It's it's kind yeah. of that scratchy and look he, that a lot of indie artists have, and I like does, that. Uh, he does. He uh, does. I was trying to figure out how he did his textures because I really like the way he layers textures on top. Uh huh. I've been trying to figure out how to emulate that for a long time. I've seen other artists do it. I've tried to do it myself. I kind of have a way of doing it on my own webcomic. I have a few Photoshop brushes that'll kind of do stuff like that, but I'm I'm but nowhere close to. He has some nice tutorials Okay. on how he does it. His company he calls Coffee Table Comics. Oh. He used to be uh, an artist at DreamWorks. Okay. Oh, wow. And uh, he just moved up to Idaho and has a little office and... He posts comics, and he does Kickstarters. Okay. How frequent of a poster is he when it comes to the web base? I, I honestly don't know. Okay. Because I, I haven't. He's one of the few... Like, I read a lot of web comics, and I usually just keep up with them. Uh-huh. His is, like, this weird exception that, for some reason, I can't follow him online, but I can when he publishes a book. Okay. It, it's backwards for me. Everybody else I can follow that way, but him I can't for some weird reason. That's me and Rice Boy, if you've ever heard of that. I haven't heard of that one. Rice Boy is by Evan Dom. It's an online comic. It is... That's the name of the website. Right now, he, he does, like... I don't know. I'm trying to remember how long Rice Boy itself was. They're different stories. Okay. And Rice Boy was maybe 450 panels, and now he's doing one called Vatu, and it's... I think it just hit, like, 650? Somewhere around that. So, definitely, he's an amazing artist. His fantasy worlds are are both, like, realistic, but also clearly not Earth. I mean, there's no humans at all. And usually, that's... I won't call it a red flag, but usually when it's a humanless world that they go too far into making everything about the one lizard man. But this one, he, he pulls it off well. There's not a clearly good race or a clearly evil race, if you know what I mean. And it's... You know, it's compelling. Definitely worth checking out. And that's rice-boy.com. Cool. I will check that one out. Because, you know, never have enough webcomics to read. Nope. <laughs> when you said his name, or no, when you said Vatu. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that before? It sounded familiar, so I was going to pull it up to see if it was what I thought it was. Okay. Two T's. It's, it's not. Oh, okay. It is not what I thought it was at all. But that's fine. My favorite webcomic right now is... JL8. JL8. Huh. As in Justice League eight year olds. Oh no. Is it what it sounds like? It's incredible. Okay. Is what it is. It's it's the Justice League characters, but they're all in elementary school. And they it's got this awesome balance of, you know, they're a little more adult in the brain than kids really are. Okay. But then they're also they're children. Definitely children. Sounds kinda like a Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes ish. Uh a little bit, yeah. Kind of, but they've all got those personalities from the Justice League uh-huh. characters, and it is incredible. But plus, the artwork is really good, too. I think the guy must draw for DC, which is how he gets away with it, because they're obviously not his characters. Uh-huh. But yeah, that one, I love that one. It's it's so good. Yeah, there's like the weird little love triangle <laughs> between love Wonder square. Woman. Square? Because okay. there's, like, there's Wonder Woman. And there's Superman, and there's Batman, and there's I think it's Power Girl. Okay. It's a fantastic comic. Okay. It's, JL8. It's, it's probably my favorite one that's online right now. I used to used to have a... I still have a ton of them that I've got subscribed mm-hmm. to on an RSS feed, but I don't check it as much since Google shut down their RSS reader. Yeah. And I, I found a, an alternative that I was able to import everything too but it just uh it doesn't quite work the same i don't like it as much so i just kind of don't i don't keep up i open it once in a while and i read a few of them and then i'm like i'm so far behind i'm never gonna catch up yeah (laughs) it's it's horrible i wish that i wish google had shut down that tool because i really liked it i don't know why they shut it down but obviously they weren't making money on it (laughs) yeah All right, so this week's interview is with Darren Breen. Darren Breen. He's a a local artist. 
and uh, so we'll uh, do that. Oh, brain. Yeah. I said brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, he's a smart guy, you know? Breen. Breen. Yeah. Okay. All right, so we call this part of the podcast I Tick. We ask everyone the same questions, and we're just trying to figure out what makes a person tick. This week, we have with us... Nigel K. Flammenbaum. I use that as a pseudonym for ordering pizzas and stuff. Oh, Nigel. nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, tell us your name and what you do. Me, I am Darren Breen, middle initial K. I am an artist by day and a condo manager by night. Oh, wow. I draw and paint. Me and my wife are raising three kids. That's me in a nutshell. Awesome. So tell us your earliest memory. My earliest memory is a recurring nightmare. You're not the first. Okay, can I tell you a story about someone else's recurring nightmare? Do it. This is this is an experience, I, an authentic experience I had. I'm standing in line at Disneyland, and you know that ride? Oh, if it's at Disneyland, I know it. It's Snow White. Okay, the dark rides. Yeah, the Snow White. You know, you get in a little cart, and there's like the torture chamber and all this stuff. Anyway, I'm standing in line waiting for the ride and i overhear a guy telling his date about this ride and he says when i was a kid i had this horrible recurring nightmare about being in a dungeon and being tortured and and i had no idea where it came from i but it, you know it i had this recurring nightmare my whole childhood he goes fast forward to uh my freshman year of college spring break my roommates say let's go to disneyland because <laughs> i go to disneyland i get in line for the the Snow White ride, I get on it. It's my nightmare. It is my nightmare in every way. And it totally... And I'm listening to this guy. We're standing in line, and I'm like... At some point, I I was like, I'm sorry. I can't help but overhear. This is so interesting. <laughs> and so I ended up part of the conversation. And But he tells his date that they get home from spring break, and he calls his mom because he had never been to Disneyland. The reason they went to Disneyland on spring break was he told his roommates, I've never been. And they were like, well, we have to go. <laughs> He goes, Mom, did we ever go to Disneyland? And she's, and Mom says, no. Well, there was one time, but you're much too young to remember it. Oh, that's fine. And he ends up telling her, well, guess what, Mom? I remember it. <laughs> so that, okay. But I just thought that was an interesting story. That's pretty wild. It's not about me. My earliest memory is a nightmare about Frankenstein. And I know now where the nightmare came from. I knew actually when I was fairly small where it came from. I was born in Minnesota, Bemidji, Minnesota. It was kind of a, it was a lumber town. It was sort of a backwoodsy town. So it wasn't like you decorated your house for Halloween because it wasn't like anyone was really going to see it. You know, we kind of lived outside of town. We lived with my grandmother. Anyway, my dad came home from a yard sale and he had purchased some Halloween decorations. Okay. Me, my dad, and my mom had a bedroom at my grandma's house and he brought home an assembled model kit. It was called the Aurora Gigantic Frankenstein. Look that up on the internet. It's also known as, known as Big Frankie. This was a, a Frankenstein model. It was 19 inches tall. It was about a foot wide. Okay, you can tell me that the proportions are weird. Yeah. It's this cartoonish proportions Frankenstein monster. My dad brings it home. He puts it on the dresser right above my bed. <laughs> and these are all things that we've pieced together over the years. At the same yard sale, he got one of those, you know, the folding cardboard skeletons. All right. So I have very clear memories of this recurring nightmare as a child of Frankenstein, weird proportions, long arms, you know, hands that down to his ankles, short stubby legs, and he's flopping around like the skeleton. <laughs> I like to pretend that I'm good at facing my fears. I've actually loved Frankenstein like my whole life. And I, over the years, I've collected toys and models and stuff of him. And, but it starts there. It starts with this recurring nightmare of the dancing Frankenstein. It's wild. It turns out it was an Aurora model kit. But yeah, he got it at the yard sale. It was all assembled and painted and ready to go. And my grandma actually, as little as like 10 years ago, when she was still alive, it was still in her storage room. And I wish I had it. It turns out they're literally worth thousands of dollars. Oh, man. Well, I take that back. If it's like unassembled and in a box and stuff, right. worth thousands of dollars. Right. If it's assembled and painted and whatever, mm -hmm. still worth like 500 bucks. Wow. Kind of. Some of those old like monster movie things are like that. Yeah. There's a, I've seen a few of them that are, they go for high, yeah. high dollar values. But when I do tell people about this, I usually what I get from people is, huh, that explains a lot. <laughs> That's kind of the, 
Oh, yeah. Nice. All right, tell us a story from your childhood that's influenced your life. Maybe something you haven't shared often. I don't swim, and here's why. <laughs> I already love it. When I was little, I'm going to say somewhere between four or five in that range, me and my dad went to Lake Bemidji, which is in Bemidji, Minnesota. Minnesota land of thousand lakes, right? right? 10,000 lakes, sorry. It was him and a friend. We're going to go out in the lake and kind of hang out, fish a little. Took me along. Of course, mom insisted that I wear a life vest. I, I wore the life vest. We went out. The canoe tipped over. <laughs> and this is like the late 1960s. Yes, I was wearing a life vest, but it wasn't the best life vest. And what essentially what it did was, instead of having me floating with my head above the water like a normal, like it should have been, it ended up basically pushing my head under the water. <laughs> no. And so I had very vivid memories of, luckily we weren't that far from the dock, but I can tell you what it looked like underwater at Lake Bemidji near the dock. <laughs> there was There was like this metal... I don't know, like the steel stuff with ho like round holes in it, you know, kind of an area to walk on that would never get muddy or messed up or whatever. And there were crayfish and there were <laughs> other species of fish. <laughs> and I was observing all this. And my memory of it is it's kind of like, you know, when people talk about things slowing down in a crisis. I mean, essentially I was drowning, but I was observing the fish. <laughs> <laughs> my dad got me out of the water and everything was fine to the best of my knowledge i've never been very good at math maybe i did something to my brain then i don't know <laughs> but uh but yeah that's so yeah that's my weird story as i almost drowning as a small child and when i was a kid every summer without fail mom would sign me up for the swimming lessons and take me to the community pool and i would kind of get in the water and stand in the corner and watch everyone else <laughs> do this stuff and so now i'm i'm middle-aged and still don't know how to swim on top of that i'm not particularly buoyant <laughs> so every once in a while i think to myself well, i'm gonna learn now but i have trouble even floating doing basic floating but yeah there share with us a piece of music that's been highly influential in your life well you know i as far as my taste in music i've noticed over the years that the, the ones i like the most are ones that don't sound like anyone else at least initially right sometimes you get imitators down the road mm -hmm. but um and so my list has, you know, people like Neil Young, Beatles, Van Morrison, Rush, Paul Westerberg. Do you know who that is? I don't know who that is. You heard of The Replacements? Remember The I Replacements? I have heard of The Replacements. He's the singer-songwriter for The Replacements. Okay, I have a story that's related to this. I remember at one point watching a video of some movie and hearing this song to myself and thinking, who is that? That's a great song. And torturing my roommates by making them rewind and fast-forward through the credits repeatedly trying to figure out who's this song you know by and i'm thinking to myself at the time it sounds like you too but i've never heard the song before you know at that point you know my relationship with you two as a band was i'd heard a few songs in radio and i thought they were cool but you know but this song really i mean really like kind of you know grabbed me by the shirt and shook me you know wow this is a great song it was i will follow and it was you too so that's like i said i like bands where you recognize them you know who they are and so here was the song I'd never heard before, and I recognized it as U2. And I, I literally, the next day, I went right out to the record store, and I bought a copy of Under a Blood Red Sky, which, at the time, this is telling for my age, it was the new U2 record. Okay. It was Under a Blood Red Sky. It was the new U2 record. And I've been into them ever since. And I'm, I've paid the dues and been in the fan club, collect the singles, and collect the bootlegs. And I mean, I'm... I'm I am a YouTube fanatic, so... All right, share with us a piece of media that's been highly influential in your life. Superman Art by Wayne Boring. Do you know who that is? I don't know Wayne Boring. Wayne Boring did most of the Superman comics from... Well, officially, he, he worked from, I think it was like 47 to 67. Okay. But from... The early 50s to like 1961, it was pretty much just him doing Superman. For me, it was life-changing. I spent a summer at Grandma's. This is when we were not living with her anymore. It was after we moved out. I spent a summer at Grandma's and I got bored. And I was digging around in the yard where there were some old cars that were just kind of parked. And I found a box full of comic books. And it turned out it was my mother's comic book collection from when she was a kid. Oh, wow. So my first real exposure to comic books was Silver Age, 1950s, 1960s. A lot of it was Superman. It was uh, Wayne Boring. I'm going to have to check that out because Superman is my hero. 
But I mean, as far as, I mean, like the art I do now, it's almost all figurative, you know, and some of the first real, you know, really sitting down and drawing was trying to draw stuff from comic books. You know, it was, I mean, some of it was literally that summer that was the drawing stuff out of my mom's comic books. And, you know, then I went and bought, you know, went into town and bought some Spider-Man at the local supermarket or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so that some of the first me trying to really draw stuff was, was right there. So for me, that's why that's important. Fantastic. I love it. Tell us about your passion and why you do it. Okay. When I was a kid, I had some brief aspirations to be perhaps a firefighter. <laughs> I, I grew up in a small town, Pennsylvania, where like every town had a volunteer fire company and you weren't cool unless you were a fireman, you know? And then, you know, there was also part of me that uh, thought maybe I would play for the Philadelphia Phillies someday. <laughs> but I got to tell you that since about fifth grade, I settled on wanting to be an artist and I've had no other career aspirations really since then. I earned a teaching certificate when I was in college, but it was to teach art. Right. I had a full-time job right after college that it wasn't art related, but it was at a printing house. Okay. And a friend had pointed me towards them because I was in college doing etchings and stone lithography and woodcuts. <laughs> and he thought, oh, yeah, Darren likes printing. So I ended up, you know, in this industrial printing place for a while. But it was, I mean, that was still how I got there. And after that, I was a picture framer for like 12 years. But again, it's it's all art. It's mm -hmm. all, you know, and now I just, I'm the night manager at a condo complex. But that's just so I've got something to pay the bills. So I can be free to make art during the day. So, I mean, that's all I've ever wanted to do and I, I don't know that I'm capable of anything else. I, I have no other professional aspirations. <laughs> I feel the same way. I At one point, I just wasn't getting anywhere doing animation and I'm just like, should I do something else? And then I just thought don't know how to do anything else. I wish I was smart enough to be a dentist or, you know what I mean? Something like that. Darren, what makes you tick? People making stuff. That to me is really exciting. I don't, I probably waste a lot of time watching you know, like those shows where they're like, this is Bob and he makes arrows. You know? <laughs> right. This is Sam and he makes stone knives, you know? But no, just the idea of people making stuff is exciting to me. I don't, I don't care if it's cooking or if it's software or sewing or, you know what I mean? Just the idea of people making things. There's a lot of employment opportunities out there nowadays where at the end of the day, you, you have not made anything except maybe some money for your boss. Right. And that to me is a little bit heartbreaking, you know, but that's also one of the things I like about people being artists is we're surrounded by art and we don't even think about it. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting in your, your office right now and, you know, book covers have art. Magazines have art. The instruction manual for your stereo equipment has art in it. I mean, everything, you know, the service manual for your car has art. You know, there's art on your t-shirt. There's, you know, someone designed the funky stripes on your sneakers. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. everything. Yep. I mean, our, our, like our world is saturated with art and, and that might be part of the problem is that it's so saturated with it that people have become capable of ignoring it you know i still get people go oh you're an artist and you know like i'm not contributing somehow right you know, that artists don't contribute and yet you know we're literally surrounded the other thing that really makes me tick is my wife and kids and they're all really creative people and so when i say i'm excited about people making stuff sometimes all i gotta do is walk into the next room at home and there's you know someone in my family is cooking something or drawing something or building something or you know and right it's, we're a family and i love them and they love me that's that's probably the most tick worthy thing in my life <laughs> So, yeah. Very cool. Well, if people want to see your work, contact you, hire you, etc., how can they find you? I'm not good at self-promotion. I don't have a nice, like a really nice website, really. But I can send you some places. Here's what you do. If you Google Sleepwalker Fine Art, no spaces. So S-L-E-E-P-W-A-L-K-E-R-F-I-N-E-A-R-T. A bunch of images will pop up. I do have uh, kind of a blog that's dedicated to more to, towards... Uh, there's some stuff I've been working on lately. I call them nightmarish nightmares. <laughs> and they are nightmarish characters. They're, kind of, they're monsters. They're black and white monsters with sharp teeth and big eyes. But they're also... They're cartoonish. I try to keep them on the level of like kind of scary cartoons from the 50s. Okay. But kids' cartoons, you know. So there's that. You'll see that stuff. And the other thing is, most of my artwork, most of my body of work over the years has been, I do paintings of angels. 
Oh, cool. They're kind of, they're influenced by Egyptian art. They're influenced by Northern Renaissance art. Sometimes they're influenced by primitive art. Yeah, there's some pictures of those on the internet too. I think my problem is I can, uh, I can satisfy the creative drive, the urge, mm -hmm. without doing a finished painting that's framed and ready to okay. display and sell <laughs> to someone. And so I have, I have sketchbook after sketchbook of these drawings of a lot of these like angel drawings that I've got to figure out a way to show them to people to market them. But there are, but yeah, there's some paintings out there that I'm pretty proud of, pretty happy with. You can look at. I'll check that out. I've seen your monsters, but I haven't seen your angels. You know what's funny is probably the most like diverse gallery of my work is. Um, on MySpace. Remember MySpace? Oh, yeah. I put a bunch of art on MySpace like 10 years ago. And in the meantime, they've like changed their format and stuff. But my profile still exists and the pictures are still there. And the pictures are almost entirely artwork that I, you know. I'm impressed that it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> Does that help? That's Maybe. great. I really appreciate you coming on the show. It's been a fun interview. It was fun. Thank you, David Breen. Darren. Darren Breen, Darren, David Brain. Darren Breen, middle initial K. Okay. You're from the Midwest? I am. I'm what? from, I'm technically from Wisconsin, but I could spit and I'd hit the Minnesotan, like, side of the border. So, okay. I consider myself more Minnesotan than anything, because I, like, I live 30 minutes away from St. Paul, which is the capital of Minnesota. Yes, St. Paul, not Minneapolis. Uh, and four hours from Madison, which is the capital of Wisconsin. And is also a crazy party town. I'd probably call myself Minnesotan before anything else. Okay. What brings you to Utah? Ah, school. I went to BYU for a while. Now I go to UVU. Oh. Yep. I know a lot of people do that. Yeah, it's just how life goes sometimes. <laughs> what are you studying? Right now, I'm studying illustration. Awesome. Though, strangely enough, I just got a job with graphic design. So I should probably take some classes in it. So I did... I started at Salt Lake Community College. When I started there, I, I just wanted to do animation. They didn't have an animation program. Oh. The only animation programs I could find were at really expensive art schools that were like ten grand a semester. Yeah. I wasn't going to do that. So I was just taking classes that were animation adjacent. Okay. They did have a multimedia degree, so I was doing that. So it involved a little bit of animation stuff, a little bit of web design stuff. And this was back when web design was like the new thing. Yeah. Nobody Spick knew Spick and how to spam. Do it. Yeah. So, and right when I was about to graduate, they announced, we're going to have an animation degree. <laughs> no. So I stuck around for two more years. I ended up leaving... Salt Lake Community College with three associate degrees. Oh, there you go. So, and then I didn't get an animation job anywhere, and I couldn't really find... This was like... The economy had tanked. Uh, I couldn't find anything. I ended up doing tech support for seven years. Okay. Which was crushing my soul. <laughs> it seems like a thankless job. <laughs> and not only that, I hated it. Okay, well, it, it there wasn't, you go. It wasn't just that. It was that I, I was not meant to be there. Like I had a, I had a friend there, uh -huh. and he loved it. He loved that job. I just couldn't understand it. Yeah, more power to them. I'm happy with my so teeth. I was glad that there are people that can do that and enjoy it, but that wasn't me. It was literally crushing me inside. Long story short, I ended up going back to school, went to UVU, Woo. got my bachelor's degree in animation. Now I digitize things. There you go. <laughs> but I, I still get to use animation skills. That's that's what I really like about uh, my job is that I get to do a little bit of everything. Okay. But when I was doing the multimedia stuff, there was a lot of graphic design stuff in that. And to me, it was really weird when I started going to school at UVU how little knowledge about that kind of stuff the other animation students had. To, to me, that was just the basics. Yeah. Uh, it was like, oh, you don't Composition really, and all that. You don't know this stuff already? I, I, To me, that was just... I thought that was a little bit weird. And I think they're trying to... Redo uh, the program? Uh, redo the program a little bit so that stuff isn't so left out. Yeah. With the beginning students. More focused on for those guys. I took, I took illustration classes, too. Like, I just... When it comes to art, I just want to do everything. And so I just take everything. So I've taken the illustration classes. I've taken 
He's just kind of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, really. <laughs> there you go. Well, in the art world, that's actually pretty useful. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> in animation, no. No? No. Oh. I mean, they want you. They want you to know everything. So, but also be a master. But they also want you to specialize in something. If you're going to go work at, like... I mean, to, to get the big studio jobs, that's what you're going to have to do, is really specialize in something. Mm-hmm. And at some point I decided, you know, I don't really want to work. I don't really want to live in California. I That's fair. took a vacation there, and I was just like, you know, it's a nice place to visit, but uh, I wouldn't want to live here. <laughs> so, yeah. But then, you know, I fell in love with audio when I was getting my bachelor's degree, and so now I, I do a lot of audio stuff. Here we are. And here I am doing a podcast. I've got another song to Ooh, play. let's hear it. This one... This one's awesome. This is, is this an original. Why it's weird? This is an original one. Oh, this was you make it? No, I didn't do it. Oh, okay. I recorded it, but okay, it's not me. I recorded this tonight. We watched him grow from young to old, from eleven years to forty to old. She wrote that song. Oh, really? Yeah. That's impressive. Yep. She's a little obsessed with Harry Potter. That's all right. Weren't we all at that and, age? Uh, no, I wasn't. No? I'm 40. Oh, yeah. I guess it was a little <laughs> for your time. So this is how I got into uh, Harry Potter. I was home for my mission. My family has multiple occasions done these extended family road trips where it's like five vehicles and we drive from here to like New York and we just camp along the way okay and then and come back and we just hit tourist traps and church history sites and weird campgrounds and great memories okay we were on one of those trips and my little cousin would not shut up about <laughs> Harry Potter it was just Harry Potter Harry Potter Harry Potter Harry Potter Harry Potter Harry Potter okay, Harry okay. Potter, Harry Potter. I was just like yeah give me that book and I took it from her <laughs> 
And I read it, and I was like, oh, that was pretty good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so every town we hit, I'd pick up the next book at the Walmart. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I ended up reading all of them that were out, and then a new one actually came out while we were on that trip. Was it the seventh one? It wasn't the seventh. Oh, okay. It was a few before that. So I, I found it somewhere and bought it. And Remember when the seventh came out? Me and my whole family were all obsessed. And the first thing is, so Barnes and Noble and Borders, like people were camping out, you know, mm-hmm. to go pick it up. And so we decided to get it at 2 p.m. And we're like, ah, they're not going to have any. So we go to Walmart and there's a whole shelf full of mm-hmm. them. I'm like, what? Do people not know? Yep. And then we had, we had to get two because we all wanted to read it at the exact same time. So it was a good, good series. I enjoyed it. We just watched the Fantastic Beasts movie. Was it good? I haven't seen it. I enjoyed it. I liked it. The tricky thing is, I couldn't reckon, I couldn't understand anyone's names when they said their names. Wow. That was the only thing that was difficult for me. His accent was a little hard to understand. Okay. Was was he English or? Yeah. Okay. But it takes place in America. Huh. But he's he's British. I enjoyed it. I liked the story. I just wish that their names were a little more understandable. Uh huh. And I'll 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 blame the audio guy for that. Audio guy. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed that. We've got the uh, the Cursed Child uh, thing. I haven't read the Cursed Child or Fantastic Beasts. My daughter's read both. I didn't even know Fantastic Beasts was a, movie, a book. Yeah, it's it's Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Oh, right. Which is mentioned in the Harry Potter books as a book. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, and it's written by... This is the story of the guy that wrote that book. Okay. Okay, fascinating. So... That's an interesting take to go off and branch off of the Harry Potter franchise with. Yeah. This one takes place in, I think it's 19, 1926 or 36. Okay, so it's a little pre-Potter. It's like 20s, 30s, yeah. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I really liked it. It was fun seeing like kind of a different take on the, the wizarding world because uh-huh. it's a little different in America and the laws are different. <laughs> uh-huh. So, I liked it. So, yeah, I think that's it for our show this week. That was um, a good show. You all liked it. Please leave a message. Leave a message. Dot com. That's what this is literally called. That's actually please leave message dot com. Please leave message. The, the uh was, we couldn't get that site. <laughs> so it's, the site is please leave message dot com, but the podcast is please leave a message. Yep. And the number is 801-SKETCH-1, 801-753-8241. And at this point, I don't care what you call about. Call about anything. Call about that time your brother ran into Bigfoot in the woods. Call and tell us all how handsome you think Kale is. Yeah, do that. Do that. I will put it on the air. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. Thank you. This is a podcast.